You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Good morning and welcome to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. And today, our business at hand is the business of healthy forest and healthy tree canopies, primarily in Georgia, but much of what we're going to talk about applies to the rest of the country and, for that matter, to cities around the world, simply because trees have become more important than ever. Um, Unfortunately, uh, we're witnessing uh, the decimation uh, by fire to trees in the western United States, and that's really sad. But there are ways, and we'll address some of those, um, where you can do the kinds of things that help to keep your uh, community forest healthier and also things that you can do to replenish uh, trees. And I'm pleased to have as my guest Mary Lynn Beckley, the Executive Director of the Georgia Tree Council, and Seth Hawkins, a community forester with the Georgia Forestry Commission. Welcome, Mary Lynn and Seth. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for having us. I appreciate that you're taking the time to uh, to talk about this uh, because, as I said, I think it's becoming increasingly important um, to the to most, if not all, communities to have um, a, a healthy forest, which means you'll have uh, um, better environmental health. Uh, better wildlife health, uh, and so there are multiple benefits to having uh, a healthy uh, a healthy forest. And I make a reference to tree canopy. They're related, but of course the forest goes beyond just the trees, and uh, um, we'll be talking uh, about that. Marilyn, let's, let's start by having you offer an, an overview of the Georgia Tree Council uh, by sharing a little bit about the history and the mission and the programs, who your members are, uh, who some of the leadership is. And a, leader, a little later, we're going to be talking about uh, the upcoming tree conference and trade show uh, that you'll be uh, hosting uh, on November 7th at the Atlanta Evergreen Marriott Conference Resort. So okay. we won't forget to touch on that. But let's start with uh, the background and the mission sure. uh, of the organization. Okay. <clears throat> so the Georgia Tree Council was actually established back in 1988, originally as the Georgia Urban Forest Council. And and um, we changed our name recently this year for clarification, and I'll talk a little bit about that in just a minute. Um, but we are, sti- we are still Georgia's Urban Forest Council, and, and, and an Urban Forest Council is... Um, uh, we're a nonprofit organization, um, again established in 1988 by a group of dedicated citizens who saw a need for Georgia's um, urban forest issues to be addressed. Um, around that time, it, you know, de- uh, development was taking off, trees were coming down, people were starting to get concerned, and so the Urban Forest Council was formed um, in partnership with the Georgia Forestry Commission. And um, in fact, I have the original press release um, where they talk about how um, they wanted to reach out to developers and city officials and leaders in the community and educate about how important trees are to communities. Um, now, the, word, the phrase urban forest, let me just explain what that is. 
first of all, urban technically means in a human settlement, large or small. It doesn't mean a big city. It can mean, be a small small village, a small town, anywhere there are people living, working, playing, doing business, going to school. That's an urban setting. And, and the trees there are the urban forest. So it can be, you know, city of Atlanta. It can be a suburban um, neighborhood. It can be a very small town. Um, but if there are trees there, then that is an urban forest. So it's trees and, and people coexisting. Um, so our council has been around for 31 years now. Um, again, we do work, work closely with the Georgia Forestry Commission. They are our partners in education and all sorts of um, projects. Um, and so we are statewide. We have we do have a membership program. You can be, uh, we have we have individuals, organizations, businesses, um, cities and counties um, who are members, and some perks go along with that membership. Um, but we also um, you don't have to be a member to participate in our programming. It's just um, a program that we have. Um, we do educational programs around the state. We do quarterly programs, um, and these are on on urban forestry issues, tree care, tree management, planting with trees, um, tr- trees as uh, green stormwater infrastructure, those kind of topics. And um, we also do some uh, arborist certification review classes for those who are wanting to train to become arborists. And um, and then at the very end of the year, we do our, our statewide annual conference, which we'll talk about in just a minute. You know, I want to go back and a- emphasize that your roots, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. um, are in uh, focusing on urban settings. Mm-hmm. You know, and Seth, you can speak to this as well. Um, I... I mentioned that there was a growing uh, interest and and, and importance uh, to uh, attributed to urban forests, simply because we know that there are environmental health benefits, mm-hmm. but also there's economic value. Oh, yeah. And when you have development in an urban setting, and you there is any sort of removal of trees, whether it's you know, uh, on a small scale or large scale uh, clear cutting, you know, all of a sudden the landscape is literally and figuratively changed. And what people have come to realize is that even in a state like Georgia, which is heavily forested, people say they fly in all the time mm-hmm. and they say, wow, where's the city? I, I had a woman actually say that to me. Uh, she flew in uh, from California this very last weekend and she said, um, you know, I, I saw all the trees, and I was wondering, where are all the people? And mm-hmm. she said, as the plane got lower, I could see that it was just a, a, a lot of trees in the urban area. But what's also true is that there's large swatches of, of clear-cut areas as well. Uh, you, you can't have population growth without uh, uh, structures. Mm-hmm. And people began to realize that they were losing some of their trees and that the trees probably first and foremost were aesthetically uh, pleasing. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I know that I moved to the city of Sandy Springs, which is here in North Metro Atlanta, in large part because I like the way that streets look, which are much like, as we talked just before the program, like other sections of Atlanta and Charlotte and Mm -hmm. Birmingham and Macon and, uh, you know, all over the southeast. We're lucky to have a lot of vegetation and a lot of trees, 
But as you lose them, you're changing the complexion literally of the communities. Right, right. I always say we can't take our eye eye off the ball. And we do have a lot of trees um, here in the the metro Atlanta area. But um, one thing that the the council and the commission teaches is that – there, you you must if you're building, if you're growing, if you have a lot of development, you've got to keep the trees on the table as in the planning process as well. You you, you can build with trees. You can you can um, you know we're here in Sandy Springs and the UPS headquarters is not too far away. A um, couple of I guess it's been. 15 or more years ago um, when they built that headquarters and it it literally is is as as if they dropped that building within the forest they were so careful in bringing in arborists and landscape architects and all sorts of people who could help them preserve that forest around them and and what a lovely setting it has been for um uh, for for their their employees to be able to look out the window and see those trees, or either go out and take a break, um, you know, and, and sit among the trees, um, it can be done. And the good thing is, I think more and more developers are learning that that people want trees um, in their residential their new residential communities in their office um, settings, and so um, building with trees is very important. We have to keep those benefits for our citizens. You know, I had a conversation, in fact, also just days ago with a developer who's building, um, a, a home builder who's building within our subdivision. And some of the neighbors noticed that a few more trees were being taken down. They they were expecting that to happen um, early on, and there were some meetings uh, at the city hall where they had a discussion about hopefully you can preserve as many trees as possible. Then when we started to see some of the specimen large heritage trees, you know, uh, big diameter trees being taken down, some of us were concerned, and I, I called. And I, I think this developer really is very sympathetic with the, the, the plight of, of losing trees uh, in um, an urban setting. But, of course, his task is to build a, a, a home or homes there are multiple homes on this lot, and you know the footprint of the home takes up a lot of trees, uh, space where there were trees. But as you said, uh, UPS, uh, who who um, received an award from the Fulton County Environmental Commission that many people know I'm I'm a part of, uh, they received an award for for being exactly uh, what you described a a corporate Fortune 100 company. That wanted to have as small a footprint on their, that property as possible, so that they not only looked like they dropped it in from the air, so that they built in and among the trees, but they also didn't want to affect the creek. There's a creek that goes under the building. Mm. In fact, you know, now they aid that flow with some pumping, but nevertheless, the creek is there, and they also uh, floated some balloons. Uh, uh, to the heights of the buildings in advance and looked at it from Georgia 400 because they didn't want to be above the tree canopy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so they really are nestled into that site. And, mm-hmm. you know, boy, yeah. isn't that a great example for larger structures? Um, actually, Seth, we could just uh, segue, or, or Marilyn, you could tell us about it. if you know there are cities that are doing anything similar to that commercially around Georgia. Hmm. And that's a prime example for sure. 
But are there a growing number of um, developers that are conscious of uh, you I, know being uh, leaving yes. a smaller footprint? There, you know, we have our awards. Um, uh, program also that we incorporate in our conference every year, and we consistently give out our outstanding new development award um, or outstanding business award. And I will tell you, this year um, our awards are going to two businesses. One is Gables Residential, who has built. Uh, they are very. Um, um, I guess uh, sustainability is one of their principles, and they have built an apartment um, building over out in Vinings, Gables Vinings. And um, what they have done is also when they took down trees, they um, took the they they had they worked with a company called U Tree, and U Tree took the the the, t- the timber and sawed it, you know, milled it, planed it, all those all those words, and um, they're incorporating that wood back into their building. So um, there's one example of someone being a little more sustainable with their building. Um, it's a different kind of example than, than UPS. But no, it's, but it's a great example yeah. because they're uh, such a large uh, apartment builder primarily, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, I don't know if that trend may have been started. In fact, I'm not sure who uh, came first, Gables or uh, Post Properties. Mm-hmm. Um, the Post Properties put a lot of emphasis on the aesthetics, but that meant um, beautiful trees as well on the property. Um, but uh, both those um, mm-hmm. uh, developers have done a good job uh, right. maintaining the aesthetics. But you were asking us about cities around the, the state um, that are doing great jobs, large and small. Marilyn, um, hold that thought. Okay, yeah. we're going to be All taking right. a break. When we come back, you can start off by telling us uh, okay. about any cities or, okay. or Seth. You yeah. can talk about uh, what you know is going on in the state because uh, hopefully, as we talked about, there are cities around the country and around the world who are going to learn uh, from what we're talking about. We're here with Mary Lynn Beckley of the Georgia Tree Council and Seth Hawkins of the Georgia Forestry Council, or commission rather. We'll be back with Mary Lynn and Seth right after this break. This is David Donaldson with the Atlanta Healing Center, conveniently located in Lawrenceville, Georgia. At AHC, your success is our goal. Addiction recovery is about more than just not using. It's about becoming a whole person and addressing all aspects of your physical, psychological, and social needs. Please call us at 770-696-9862, or you can reach us on the web at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. If your health insurance premium is more than your mortgage, Ellen Deal with Ideal Solutions is here to help. Whether you're a small business owner, individual family, or baby boomer, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com, and I'll respond with three easy questions to help you determine if you can get away from Obamacare. As a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry, I'm here to help with all your insurance needs. Email Ellen Deal at MAGA45CAG at gmail.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Business Hour. We're here with Mary Lynn Beckley of the Georgia Tree Council and Seth Hawkins of the Georgia Tree, Com- the Georgia Forestry Commission. And we've been talking about what some communities are doing to preserve uh, trees. And there are actually communities, some of whom have been awarded by the Georgia Tree Council, 
<clears throat> at communities and also specific uh, commercial companies um, because, um, as I mentioned off the air, you know, some companies used to just go in and clear the land. It was a, a, an easier uh, blank canvas to work mm-hmm. with, but more and more are becoming aware that they should cut fewer and fewer trees. And Seth, you were talking about a company in, in Jefferson City? Um, yeah, so the city of Jefferson, Georgia, um, you know, they're right there on the I-85 corridor, and they're just having rapid growth, all of Jackson County really is. And Jefferson's done a great job working with those warehouses coming in, and specifically uh, Kubota Tractors has a factory over there. And they've done a great job of working with those businesses and those companies to make sure that trees that can be left are left and wooded areas are left that can be. And also trees are replaced when they're taken out. Um, you know, and that helps the community as a whole because the more tree canopy you have in a community, we all share that benefit. But also the companies are starting to realize that having trees on their complexes and their properties and their campuses really behooves them. Um, not only just from a public um, um, perspective point of view, but also for their actual employees' health and their mm-hmm. employees' quality of life. Mm-hmm. Um, insurance costs and health care costs go down for businesses when they have treed campuses and treed corporate campuses and things. Um, Seth, let's go down that path a little further because you probably talk about this to various audiences around the state. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us about the environmental health benefits. Um, I, I know, for example, that uh, uh, Georgia pine trees, you know, have been given a bad rap. Yet, even Georgia pine trees, those needles uh, help to scrub the air and make it a little cleaner. Um, and so, they're one species who is who otherwise is been given that bad rap but but is really good for the environment uh, tell us about some of the other uh, species and some of the other benefits of uh, reducing temperatures and 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 what is it that you uh, talk about when you share with communities the benefits of holding on to their trees yeah um so we could talk for the rest of the hour about benefits of trees um, yeah well we'll just touch and, on the highlights and and you know and, you know, and so two-thirds of the state of georgia is covered in forest and that's counting your actual timber forest, your you know recreational forest, national forest. But two-thirds of the land area of Georgia is covered in forest. It's about 50, almost a 50-50 split between pine and hardwood, depending on what part of the state you're in. One or more is, other more, is more prevalent. Um, but trees, you know, obviously those trees have their role they play in watershed management and hydrology and all that stuff. But when we start talking about kind of socioeconomic and health benefits of trees, that's when we really start to focus in on urban and community trees and community forests. Um, I mean, there's more and more research coming out all the time of how they can actually quantify these health benefits and these socioeconomic benefits. Um, They've done studies and research proving that folks that can simply see a tree at their hospital window have shorter recovery times from Mm -hmm. surgeries and diseases. Um, they've proven that people just going and immersing themselves in green space for even 10, 15 minutes a day mm-hmm. helps their mental and emotional well-being, helps them with their physical health as well. So there, there's all sorts of new research coming out all the time about mm-hmm. those kinds of things, about the financial benefits of trees. Um, they've done studies. People will actually come from further to shop at a business that has trees out front. So they will mm-hmm. pay more for parking. They will spend more time in the store, spend more on goods while they're there. So it behooves business owners as well to have trees. And whereas it used to be that among retailers, they thought, you know, got to hold on to all the parking spaces that we possibly can, mm-hmm. which really was aimed at 
the shopping season, you know, the holiday season, uh, they now realize, uh-uh, we can put a few trees or leave a few trees mm-hmm. in our parking lots uh, for the very reason you just cited. And the, really the silver bullets when you can leave larger trees when you're doing developments. I mean, it's great to plant trees back and replace them, but we really get exponential benefits. Those health and socioeconomic benefits really are exponential with larger trees. So the more tree save areas we can have on developments and larger trees we can leave in place, just amplifies all those benefits. Um, a, a few years back, the um, Sandy Spring Conservancy, tip of the hat to the Conservancy here, um, hosted its annual dinner and had its um, keynote speaker, Ed McMahon, from the Urban Land Institute. And he talked about how we were aware that when you had a uh, a golf course, you know, which is essentially green space, mm-hmm. albeit manicured and, and mowed, mm-hmm. um, that it increased the property values of the homes. Of course, those homes were generally luxury homes. But he said, we then discovered that if you had a green space and there was no golf course, it increased the property Absolutely. value of the homes exactly. around the green space. Absolutely. So I think uh, what you're saying is that that applies even to commercial uh, areas as well. Yeah, yeah. So trees will increase home values or, cor- or um, commercial property values as well. Yeah. They also save um, trees planted near homes and buildings save on, on energy costs. You know, air conditioning in the summer, you know, if you have a tree planted mm-hmm. near your unit and at your home or proximity to it um, will save you on those costs. Um, but back to the health, I mean, the, that is the most, that's, we're so connected to trees. Um, studies have shown that, that, um, there are fewer childhood asthma cases for um, cities that have trees. You know um, that you know children can um, experience trees in green space. Kids with ADD um, and behavioral issues and that sort of thing do better both inside and outside when they have time. You know to spend out um, under the trees. And do we know, Marilyn? Have there been any studies uh, on specific properties? I mean, because we know collectively, if the forest is healthier in a given community, maybe even a neighborhood that you could literally breathe easier, you know, children with asthma Mm -hmm. um, because of the uh, air scrubbing properties of uh, of trees. Mm -hmm. Um, Both um, trees with needles and trees with uh, um, leaves. Mm -hmm. Um, But do we know that on a specific site, I guess if it's uh, a big enough, uh, large enough in terms of acreage, uh, are people uh, able to uh, derive the benefits of cleaner air on a specific property? Yeah, yeah. So um, the U.S. Forest Service has an entire suite of software called iTree. So there's, I think, eight or nine different pieces of software within that. iTree Canopy, iTree Hydro, Eco Design. they go on and on. And um, one of the main functions of, the, of that software is to evaluate tree canopy or tree benefits in a community and actually put that into a dollar value. So the U.S. Forest Service has done a lot of work to, and that's one of the, the air quality benefits, has been one of their biggest um, biggest milestones in being able to actually achieve that valuation. Um, so, yeah, there's, there's really uh, very well-researched dollar values tied to the actual amount of air pollution cleaning that trees can do. You know, we were going to get into that later, but why not talk about it now? Um, iTree is a fantastic uh, uh, software system that, that, as you say, can help evaluate on a few different levels the benefits of trees uh, so that 
Um, and I, I simply saw a demonstration. I'm not trained, and uh, you probably are, but uh, to some extent, because it's relatively new. Um, but you can calculate the value of uh, various trees specifically because you're talking about aerial imagery that helps to or mapping of trees mm-hmm. so you can talk about the value of the trees collectively but also what happens when you remove them mm-hmm. what happens moving into the future uh, as they mature it, it, tell us a little bit about that yeah so um, I think the best one to kind of talk what you're talking about for the individual homeowner for a small area um, I tree design if you google I tree design it'll be the first hit it's a web based software you can go in basically look on air photo draw the draw the boundaries of your home and then you can go out and take some basic measurements of the trees around your home and input that and place those on that air photo and it'll give you back a bunch of results about the energy savings you're getting from those trees the air pollution cleaning stormwater benefits all those things and it'll give you today's numbers and you can also project it out for up to 100 years so you can really start to see if I plant a two-inch caliper tree today, in 50 years, how much this is really going to be giving back to the community and ecosystem services? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, we haven't even touched much on, on erosion, but uh, if you live in a hilly community like most of Metro Atlanta, mm-hmm. you know the larger region or the state for that matter, um, when you have clear cutting and, and nothing but a big lawn right. in front and a big lawn in the back, I mean there's not a lot of water, water retention, and it, there's all sorts of problems that you can avoid if you have uh, trees in place. Yeah. And, and Marilyn, I wanted to ask you if some of your members and uh, Seth, you might have worked with some of those very members. Um, would a good thing for a homeowner to do is if you're going to be taking down some trees to be working probably with one of your members mm-hmm. um, that uh, in, engages uh, iTree in, in, in helping to assess. Uh, I think they're just becoming aware uh, of it mm-hmm. as well. But I know the demonstration I saw was Davy Tree, I, I believe. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so there are some uh, tree cutting companies that, that, that actually you can engage. Yes, I, we always tell homeowners if you do, if you want to have anything done with trees in your yard, consult an arborist, a certified an ISA certified arborist. That stands for International Society of Arboriculture. So, someone who's certified in arboriculture, have them come and um, just take a look at your trees, um, consult with you, talk. You know, you, ask, you can ask them questions, um, and then. Yes, that you mentioned some really good company, a good company there. Um, what else would you tell homeowners, Seth? Um, so yeah, definitely employ the services of a certified arborist. Um, you know, especially when you're talking about taking care of an existing tree, because um, arborists are in the business of taking care of and keeping trees alive rather than just removal. Um, so definitely, mm-hmm. that's the first step. Now, if that arborist does go the extra step and uses some iTree software and stuff, that's great. Um, because all that does is give you more information to kind of tout how great and the benefits are for those trees you have. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I mean, that's a great step to take. But, you know, really, it's hard to go wrong with planting trees as long as you're putting the right tree in the right place. Mm-hmm. So we talk about that a lot. Um, can an can a individual homeowner or a business owner engage the Georgia Forestry Commission at all? Are you available to help with any assessments? Um, so the Georgia Forestry Commission, we can't do on-site assessments on private property, on private or commercial property, but we, we have a website called Ask the Arborist. You can go on there, any homeowner, business owner, you fill out a little form online, 
it'll send the question to us. You can attach pictures and all that good stuff. So that's kind of our approach to being able to help private property owners is to arm them with as much information as possible and some references to ISA Arborist so then they can go into the situation with as much info as possible and make the most informed decision. And I believe they'll have a list of arborists on your website as well. We do. And, and another um, organization that is a good, ref, uh, good resource for finding an arborist is the Georgia Arborist Association. So you can go to georgiaarborist.org, spelled out, G-E-O-R, G-I-A, <laughs> org, and um, look at their membership, and you can find an arborist. But I, I always tell homeowners, you know, if you, if you have a home and you have a yard and you have trees, budget for tree care because those are living organisms and you need to keep an eye on them. Mm-hmm. We're going to be taking a break. When we come back, we'll, we'll drill down a little bit further and, and talk about uh, some of your members and how uh, they probably all have certified arborists, uh, I would imagine, or, or at least the uh, tree-focused uh, organizations. Mm-hmm. We're here with Marilyn Beckley, the executive director of the Georgia Tree Council, and Seth Hawkins, uh, a forester with the Georgia Forestry Commission. We'll be back to talk mm-hmm. more with them right after this break. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Get your pen and paper ready. If there's a move in your near future, I'm here to tell you that the folks I used and now recommend is Around Town Movers. Timothy and the guys recently moved me, and I am and was totally satisfied with a sometimes not-so-fun experience moving. Call Timothy at 770-378-4708 and make it a good move and a good experience. Around Town Movers for that local or cross-country move. Timothy, Around Town Movers, in my opinion, are the best. That's Around Town Movers. Call them. Hi, this is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour on America's Web Radio. If you'd like to hear an eclectic mix of great programs, from relationships with Dr. Ann Schiebert to homegrown veggies, and from classic cars to the Constitution, we've got programs for discerning listeners at www.americaswebradio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Okay. You can even smooth here. Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host. We're here with Marilyn Beckley, the Executive Director of the Georgia Tree Council, and Seth Hawkins, a forester with a community forester with the Georgia Forestry Commission. And we've been talking about what uh, 
individual homeowners, business owners, and communities are are doing uh, these days to help protect their uh, trees. And uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about tree restoration as well. In light of the fires uh, on the West Coast, I'm going to have uh, Seth share with us a little bit about uh, what kinds of things are being discussed for the long term health of force as it relates to uh, force fires but but also Marilyn uh, wanted to reiterate uh, about the value of uh, trees in um, retaining stormwater, mm-hmm. you know, and, and water retention and uh, right, as right. an anti-erosion technique. It's, it's just one of the major benefits, the many, many benefits of, of trees. They are natural stormwater managers for us. Um, you know, if you take take down all the trees and you replace it with concrete and um, rooftops and everything, the trees, the, the water has nowhere to go. And so um, it can result in flooding and, and all sorts of problems. Um, there is a statistic about uh, types of trees and how much water that they retain in their canopy. Deciduous trees, um, I believe, uh, retain about 20% of the rain in their canopy, the, the rainfall in their canopy, and conifers about 30%. So, um, you know. Conifers being pine trees. Yes, and yeah. so and so, see right there, they're managing a lot of the, the the and then they use that rain, you know, and um, then everything um, those resulting benefits from that, cleaning the water and et cetera. But um, it, yeah, if, if there's if there's hard surfaces, impervious surface down there, and no trees, then the water just where does it go? That's right. In fact, uh, um, you know, Seth came up with a. Uh, fantastic gee whiz uh, number. Uh, Mm -hmm. I want you to share that again, Seth. Uh, We were off the air, but tell us about the the ability of a tree to uh, absorb water. Yeah, yeah. So, as Mary Lynn said, um, you know, unfortunately, whenever there is clearing of trees, the majority of the time, what goes in back in that spot is impervious surface, concrete, asphalt, that kind of thing. Um, so an eight, an inch of rain on an acre of pavement generates over 27,000 gallons of runoff, just right there going right into the storm drain. However, an acre of forest can take up 28,000 gallons of water in a day easily, no problem. So it seems it's a heck of a coincidence that those numbers are so close, right? Mm-hmm. So you take out, so it's really a double compounded problem when we clear forest canopy in urban and community environments that we're not only taking away that ability of the soil to take that much water and handle that much water, we're also putting pavement down and running all that 27,000 gallons of water right into the storm drain to have to deal with. You know, Seth, uh, I wanted you to uh, take a moment to talk about uh, the mission, and we've touched upon it. Maybe you could summarize again the mission of the Georgia Tree uh, Commission and also about your role as a forester, a community forester. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so um, I'm a community forester um, with the Georgia Forestry Commission. Again, um, so we use the term community forestry rather than urban forestry just to try to get away from that discrepancy of people thinking urban meant Centennial Park or Mm -hmm. Olympic Park or something because I work with communities as big as Atlanta or all the way down to our smallest tree city of KMAC with 125 people. Um, So we work with communities. So that's why we use community forestry. Um, You know, my main role really within the state, uh, there's three of me, three community field foresters um, that work just, you know, are thirds of the state, mainly working with communities, um, cities, counties, universities, civic organizations, schools, K-12 campuses. 
um, just basically whatever their tree goals are, um, whether that be to plant more trees or to care for the trees they have. Um, we do a lot of training and outreach with like public work staff and communities, helping them learn how to care for trees better. Um, but pretty much we're just kind of backup for city and county governments and civic groups um, and their tree goals throughout the state. Oh, you mentioned uh, schools, and, you know, schools are communities of sorts, you know, that expand and contract, you know, with uh, the student population during the daytime. Universities, of course, are, are uh, communities that expand and contract given the school year, but um, they're, they're, they're communities, and are there... Um, how how are the Georgia colleges and universities doing as, as far as you're concerned? Are they uh, playing catch-up with uh, sustainability as it relates to trees, or uh, are they doing pretty good? Um, I've actually found that the majority of the universities in the state actually are kind of leaders mm-hmm. in the sustainability department um, because they've realized, they've seen the research, they see the writing on the wall of all the benefits that green space and trees provide. Um, Also, it's kind of a competition factor between universities. Um, The look of a campus, the feel, the um, the environmental practices of a campus can be driving factors of why a student might choose one school over another. So the universities in the state um, have actually been leaders in that department. Um, we have a, there's a program called Tree Campus USA, um, where it's through the Arbor Day Foundation, um, and we actually have 21 universities in the state of Georgia certified as Tree Campus universities. Mm-hmm. Wow! The wow. Um, the Georgia Tree Council, in partnership with the, the Forestry Commission, um, <clears throat> presents our annual uh, campus canopy conference every year in September, and uh, we've had this conference for about, I think the first one was in 2010, um, and we present that we're hosted by a different campus every year, and um, they do, they love to have us and uh, showcase their campuses to the other attending um, campuses that come. Um, but that conference is not just for college and university campus personnel, but also any type of campus, a corporate campus, maybe a bot- botanical garden, K-12 through campus. Um, so I just wanted to put that conference out there for folks. And I know, Marilyn, you, you, you like to remain somewhat impartial in, in mm-hmm. these matters, but mm-hmm. give us the name of some of the uh, campuses that, <laughs> that, that have won awards oh, um, that yeah. are leaders in this respect. Um, Agnes Scott College. It has a wonderful um, campus arboretum, and folks can go online and, and um, go to the Agnes Scott Arboretum and take a, an online tour of their their arboretum, or of course go in person and, and tour it. Um, but so many of our other campuses are doing doing excellent work. Um, em- Emory University has a has a beautiful campus. Um, UGA does great work. University of North Georgia. I'm trying to think of all the different campuses yeah. that we've been to. to and you to mentioned school. UNG, so Agnes Scott and and um, UGA and all those ones you mentioned, they do a wonderful job of, you know, of the arboretum feel on their campuses. And so does UNG and places like Georgia College, State University, and Milledgeville. Um, but also some of the schools like UNG and GCSU do a great job of student engagement. And that's mm-hmm. something that's really a big part of the Tree Campus program or student service learning projects, things like that. Um, University of North Georgia helps a lot of smaller communities do crowdsource tree inventories. Um, Georgia College State University does a lot of tree planting initiatives using students so they learn to plant and care for trees. Mm -hmm. Um, So the tree campus program is really awesome in the fact that you get all the student engagement and the recognition for those schools for their hard work. Hopefully we're uh, fostering legions of uh, foresters uh, and arbors. Um, um, Let's talk about 
Tree City USA, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things that you help uh, the Tree C- uh, City USA program do is help to certify cities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's so talk about what it takes to become a Tree City USA and what are some of the, okay. the, the good examples in Georgia. I'll start by saying the Tree City USA is a program of the Arbor Day Foundation, which is um, the national urban community forestry nonprofit in, uh, organization. And um, so they have a Tree City USA program, Tree Campus USA, Tree Line USA. And so um, the Georgia Forestry Commission, I'll throw this over to Seth, um, they are the coordinators um, or the administrators for those programs here in Georgia. And so there are some standards that they have to meet. Yeah, yeah. So um, the Tree City USA program is a national recognition program, um, basically so that communities can get some recognition and networking and support for the hard work they're already doing, uh, most communities are already doing. Um, so there's four main standards that a community has to have in place to be a tree city. Um, they have to have a tree ordinance. They have to have a volunteer tree board or a designated tree department. They have to have um, an Arbor Day celebration. And they have to have documentation of $2 per capita of sweat equity being spent on trees. Um, and that's kind of wordy, um, but that's really because they use the word budget on the Tree City website, and that kind of almost implies two more dollars per capita, but it's $2 per capita of sweat equity documented. And that can be anything from leaf and limb pickup to tree pruning to watering to planting programs. But they have those four standards in place, um, and they just have to reapply each year. And you get recognition materials. And beyond just the physical materials you get, like I said, you also start to build a relationship with your community forester and with the Georgia Tree Council. And it really kind of opens the doors to a bigger world for that community. There are 163 Tree City USAs in Georgia as of 2018. There may be a few more now this year. Um, there, as Seth said, there are 21 uh, Tree Campus USA colleges and universities, and there is one Tree Line USA, and that would be a um, utility company, and um, that would be the Georgia Power Company. They are a Tree Line USA company. What does Tree Line mean? Tree line, so that so they have the tree. It started off with the Tree City program, then Tree Campus was a spinoff, and now they have Tree Line, which is another spinoff program. Same, it's a recognition program, but for utility companies, for power utility companies. And Seth, you had mentioned uh, that there was some uh, data being generated about uh, this city, where the station is based in Sandy Springs in North Metro Atlanta. And I know that Sandy Springs is trying to do some things which uh, keep it on the leading edge of maintaining its tree canopy. Uh, You had talked about uh, a breakdown um, of council districts, and and this might be helpful to any cities listening. Tell us a little bit. It gives a profile of what that analysis is. Yeah, so um, the city of Sandy Springs approached another one of our community foresters um, about doing a an iTree canopy project, basically a canopy assessment for the city. Um, they didn't want to just know the overall percentage for the entire city. They kind of wanted to break down, so we broke it down by the six council districts and then also the central business district and did individual iTree canopy assessments for those seven pieces of the city. And um, so what they found is, depending on which district you're in, it ranged from 49% to 69% tree canopy coverage, which is outstanding. And the central business district had 24%, which for a CBD is actually pretty high. It's pretty good. Um, and they kind of wanted that just so they could kind of map where their higher needs are, where they need to focus on planting in public space, finding spots so they can put more trees near the right-of-way for the community to share. Would One of the reasons that the uh, tree canopy is uh, pretty healthy in Sandy Springs 
is that we have 20 miles which borders uh, the Chattahoochee River uh-huh. uh, and that uh, something which is true for many communities throughout Georgia uh, and uh, the, the Atlanta metro area is this vast network of creeks and streams. Is that part of why um, you have water sources for uh, a healthy tree canopy? Um, you know, there could be a lot of factors going on there. I mean, I think definitely when you have your waterways, you have restrictions on how much you can clear or at all clear near those streams. So you're automatically going to have those protected streamside management zones and buffers. Um, you'll have that in place. Um, but there's a lot of factors that go into that. Um, just really just the total community as a goal. Um, you know, a community is going to have the, the tree canopy percentage that it wants. The voters are going to dictate what actions are taken to drive tree canopy percent. So it's really a reflection of the constituency and what they really want. So the uh, the watershed just is a supportive uh, mechanism, if you will, but it's the people it's who... It's part of the urban forest. Right, right. who yeah. determine whether or not you're going to leverage that. Right. We're going to be taking a break. We're here with Mary Lynn Beckley, the executive director of the Georgia Tree Council, and Seth Hawkins, and community forester with the Georgia Forestry Commission. We'll be back to talk with Mary Lynn and Seth right after this break. Want to ace your upcoming survey exam? The NLC Prep Combo has everything you need to help you crush your upcoming FS, PS, Florida PSM, California PLS, or Texas RPLS exam. Combos include a full-length practice exam book with the same number of questions and category types as the actual exam, a pre-programmed HP 35 with 17 programs to solve those time-consuming equations such as COGO, triangles, traverses, and more in seconds. A complete online course is included that covers every topic of the exam with videos, workbooks, quizzes, and a full-length practice exam that simulates the computer-based format of the FS and PS exam. That gives you not just one, but two full-length practice exams to help fully prepare you for test day. Visit us at nlcprep.com for more information and let us help you crush your exams. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan, and every family will save thousands of dollars a year. I'm Ellen Deal, and if you've been hurt by the Affordable Care Act, you can email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com to see if we can help. Small business owners, individuals, families, and baby boomers, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com for three easy questions to determine if you can get away from Obamacare. I'm a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry and here to help you for all your insurance needs. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Welcome back to the Business Hour. I'm Ron Camacho, your host, and we're here with Mary Lynn Beckley, the Executive Director of the Georgia Tree Council, and Seth Hawkins, the Community Forester with the Georgia Forestry Commission. Um, Seth, tell us what your full title is. Let's <laughs> see if I can get it right. Northeast Georgia Regional Community Forester for the Sustainable Community Forestry Program of the Georgia <laughs> Forestry Commission. Phew. 
That's a mouthful. <laughs> uh, better for you to say than me. Um, also, we uh, had been dancing around uh, green infrastructure, which is really one way of referring to this umbrella mm-hmm. uh, uh, topic. Uh, uh, and uh, you were talking about um, how Georgia fares with the rest of the country. That was also kind of a gee whiz number. And uh, uh, through uh, no small part of your two organizations. Mm-hmm. Tell, me, uh, tell us what that number is. Uh. Yeah, so in 2008, um, Georgia Tech did a study, a canopy survey of the, st- of the city of Atlanta, right? And we have 47% canopy, which is one of the tops, if not the top, of major cities in the United States. You said 2008, not 18? That was in 2008. Okay. But then move forward to 2018, the U.S. Forest Service did a report on just basically the overall loss percentage of urban tree canopy state by state. And 45 of the 50 states are all losing urban tree canopy percentage overall in the state. Mm -hmm. And Georgia actually was in the top five for percentage loss. So whereas we have one of the best templates to work with, we also need to realize that, you know, the ball that we haven't run out of the woods yet. So to speak. So, no so, pun intended. So part of our, I mean, our mission at the Georgia Tree Council, which includes the Forestry Commission and lots and lots of other organizations that are members and participate, is to, um, you know, to, to endeavor to make um, sure that all Georgia communities have a healthy, thriving community forest. Um, and so we know that there are lots of communities out there across the state um, that should be at our conferences and should be participating in our programs um, so, that, so that they can be on top of all the latest research and all the latest resources on how to keep that urban forest thriving. So that, that kind of is kind of a... And a, when is that conference? So our, our state conference is November 7th and 8th, which is next week, um, here in Stone Mountain. We, we, uh, we're a statewide group, so we, we present this conference around the state every year. We are in a different location every year so that we can, you know, um, be close in all quadrants of the state. Um, and this year, um, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you what the, sure. the theme is. I brought the agenda so that I don't miss anything. Well, I thought I did. Um, anyway, it's the, the theme of the conference this year is Trees and Equity, Community Collaboration, and Building the Future Workforce. And so we are focusing this year on examining and discussing and sharing um, not only why urban green space and trees are important for every community, every neighborhood in Georgia. Every neighborhood and every city needs to have access to trees and green space. But also um, that all that many um, d- diverse populations and younger folks need to learn about these careers that they can have in tree care and natural resources. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're looking for the future. We've got to start that succession planning and bringing those, those younger people and, like I said, diverse populations into um, learning about tree care and taking care of their urban forests, and that in that will help build these thriving green spaces. I, m- I might add that um, some of you are watching and others of you are listening to two people who embody those careers mm-hmm. uh, related to um, the sustainability of green infrastructure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And also, 
you know, I would be remiss because I know there's a lot of listeners out there thinking about, wow, we're talking about healthy tree forests and how beautiful they are and how they do all these great things. And yet we know that there's trees uh, that have been burning uh, and whole thousands and thousands of acres and hundreds of square miles of decimated uh, trees and, and structures and people's lives at risk, and especially the... Uh, the responders, the firefighters, and, and everyone else, and I want to uh, acknowledge that um, there are some brave men and women that are helping uh, from all over the West and the U.S. that have traveled to California and uh, the Rocky Mountain area to, to help with those fires. Uh, but, Seth, can you offer kind of a very top-of-the-line overview of the kinds of things that uh, communities will be needing to do more of to maintain healthy tree forests and even as we have lightning and and sparks that are um, set off by uh, the uh, the energy grid and uh, automobiles and uh, forest fires uh, because we know that the majority of these fires begin generally with some human action mm-hmm. um, Tell us about uh, maintaining healthy forests. Yes, yeah, so there's a lot of things that go into that. Um, I know we are doing a whole program, but yeah. just uh, an overview. Yeah, and, and, you know, in Georgia and the southeast kind of in general, we're lucky in the fact that um, we get to do what we call prescribed burning on a regular basis. It's more embraced in our part of the country. Also, it's just safer to do in the southeast. We have m- many more days that it's safe to do a prescribed burn. And so what the function of that is is kind of cleaning out the fuel load out of the forest floor. Um, so when you get in some situations like out west, unfortunately, the weather isn't conducive, the topography is not conducive to prescribed fire. So they get a lot of heavy fuel buildup, things like that. They have a lot of more variable and gusty and high wind speeds than we do. Um, so we're lucky that our climate in the southeast allows us to do some of that practice prescribed burning. And um, that helps reduce fuel loads. But honestly, the biggest thing that we can do as a community to help spread the word and reduce wildfire risk are just getting the word out to folks about uh, debris burning safety and campfire safety. The number one cause of wildfires in the state of Georgia is escaped debris burning, unpermitted escaped debris burns. Um, So people would burn a debris pile on a day when it's not safe, it's too dry, the wind's too gusty, and um, embers can carry up to a mile in, in severe drought. In the beginning of this month, until we got all this rain, we were actually drier now than we were in October of 16 when we had all the wildfires. So luckily this rain came at right, just the right time. Um, but yeah, from the biggest, a public education program is really the best thing a community can do to reduce that wildfire risk. There's also many things that individual um, neighborhoods and homeowners can do. They can go to a website called firewise.org. Um, it's sponsored by the U.S. Forest Service, and there's tons of information, tips, and techniques there of how you can firewise your home through landscaping, um, certain things, you know, cleaning your gutters out, not keeping your wood pile next to the propane tank under the wooden porch, that kind of thing. <laughs> Little things like that can go a whole, whole long way. Um, they can go on firewise.org, find a lot of information for individual homeowners. But from a community perspective, um, really the best thing we can do is public education. Um. <clears throat> Marilyn, how did you get involved uh, in uh, tree preservation? Yeah, that's an interesting question, isn't it? Because um, when I went to college, I majored in English. I got a master's in English. So, um, But when I got out, I found myself um, in getting into nonprofit management. And I worked for 17 years in the arts. 
at Callenwald Fine Arts Center here in Atlanta um, for 17 years and did a little bit of everything, publicity, marketing. You know, I was there so long, I got to do a little bit of everything. And then around 2005 or so, I thought, you know, I, I... I want to stay in nonprofit management. When I want to change my mission, I want to change the hat I wear. And I thought I really want to work for a, um, for the environment, and um, this job opening came up, and I went for it, and it has been uh, a joy. It has been so rewarding. Probably something that's easy to wake up to every day, isn't it? Absolutely. I am a total advocate of nonprofit work. I'd love to spend an hour talking to you about that, about good standards of nonprofit management. We'll have to have you come back and do that. All right. Because I'm going to ask Seth how you got started uh, in uh, working uh, in uh, green infrastructure. Yeah. And I'd like to say we are so lucky that Mary Lynn found the Georgia Tree Council because I couldn't imagine that if if you were still in the art world, I'm sure they'd be better for it. I'm glad we (laughs) Thank you, Seth. Um, So I got into community forestry. Um, I went to the University of Georgia Warnell School of Forestry. Um, Got my bachelor's in uh, forest resources from there. Um, And so I wasn't really specialized in community forestry or or, or arboriculture. and I just worked some internships in my senior year and out of school and found that this is where my heart really lied. Um, again, I had the forestry degree, knew about silviculture and timber management and all that. And that's, you know, the biggest industry in the state, and it's wonderful. But I just really found my heart drawn to community forestry. But as a young boy, when did, when did this whole thing begin? Um, you know, I actually... Um, Was it a love for the woods? I've always spent a lot of time outside, always been an avid gardener. I was a 10-year-old uh, volunteer with Master Gardeners when I was a little kid and stuff. <laughs> like, I've always been outside playing in the dirt and stuff. Yeah. Um, it just, um, I really just found my niche and found an opportunity where I felt like I could really make a difference. So. It, it would seem you are perfectly suited for what you do. Oh, listen. In, in, in many ways. Thank you. Um, do either of you have any advice for uh, young people who are thinking about careers uh, in this area? I think it is one of the best choices they can make for the future because, you know, with all the changes going on, um, we really need to take care of our our environment and um, our planet and our communities. And, and as we discussed this, this past hour, the health and benefits, the environmental benefits, the the etc. All the benefits for of, of healthy trees and healthy urban forests are so important, and we need more people than ever on board taking care of that. So, Seth, do you have anything to? Uh, yeah, and, and I, of a young, a, a very young student or a, a young professional. Yeah, and and I feel like as as Marilyn was saying, as things move forward, I think the writing is on the wall that this is all more important than we've ever realized. And I think the younger generation coming up is really discovering that, you know, um, that um, that green jobs, green industry jobs are there and they're cool. It's great. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for young folks that want to start learning about it more, there's all sorts of opportunities in the metro area. Um, They can get involved with Trees Atlanta. Um, You know, there's also um, internship programs through the commission. But the UGA School of Forestry actually has a new urban forestry emphasis. So if people are really interested in it, they Mm -hmm. can go to UGA and... Check that out. Well, I want to thank you both. Uh, We've uh, been talking to Mary Lynn Beckley, the executive director of the Georgia Tree Council, Seth Hawkins, community forester with the Georgia Forestry Commission. Thank you so much for being on the program and for offering some insight. Thank you. Thank you so much. You've been listening to the Business Hour here at America's Web Radio or on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. We'll see you on the radio and Internet next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.